0: You are listening to audio from New Life Foursquare. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org. When I was here with you last, we talked about how can I know the will of God. And today, I felt like I had so much to say on this matter that I wanted to do part two of this, all right? So are you good? Are you ready? Tell the person next to you this word's about to be for you. Yeah, this word's about to be for you, yeah. And so, you know, the reason I do that, by the way, and I'm just, those of you who are new, don't worry. You know, it's okay if somebody, you know, high fives you or if you have to, like, turn it to your neighbor and say something, it's okay. It's kind of how we do things. It's actually for you. Because the more you can reiterate what I'm trying to tell you, the more you're learning it. I think, to at least a little bit, to some degree. It's even better if you go out and do it, okay, which I'm going to get to in a second. So we're going to talk about this thing, and we're going to review a little bit where we've been with this whole idea regarding the will of God. Um, the last time I was with you, we talked about this. We talked about the different aspects of God's will. And we talked about how God has a sovereign will. This is the will that we don't really have anything to do with in terms of controlling it, in terms of voting whether we want it to happen or not. This is what what God decides to do when God decides to do it, and he doesn't ask for our permission. And it's his purpose that permeates all of creation that he just goes and sets out to do it. No matter what we try to do to put a stop to it, it's going to get done. That's the sovereign will of God. And we talked about what we do with that. We said when it comes to the sovereign will of God, we we just need to trust God. Let God be God, right? Okay. There's another part of God's will. We called it the directional will of God. This is uh, the will of God that we're seeking when we have. Uh, decisions to make in life that are very particular. You know, what school should I go to? Should I move to this location because of a better job opportunity or not? Should I even go to college or should I join the military? Should I date this person? Should I even start dating right now as old as I am? Whatever it might be. Okay, those are like the particular aspects of our life that sometimes we seek for God's direction in. That would be called the directional will of God. And when it comes to the directional will of God, our role is to seek the wisdom of God And we're going to talk about how we can do that later on. But to seek God's wisdom and make a decision and go ahead and act, all right? Now, here's here's where we we landed. We said that the real, often we treat the directional will of God. God, what do you want me to do in this particular situation of my life? We sometimes treat that as the center of God's will. But it's really not. The real center of the will of God is the will that he reveals to us. The thing that is clear that he wants us to be about doing. These are what we would encapsulate as the ways of God. How he wants us to live life. How he wants us to treat one another. How he wants us to worship him. How he wants us to live. right? In any given situation in life. And we said, what we said was when it comes to the reveal will of God, our role is to discover it. Say discover. And to do it. Discover and do, right? Learn it and obey it. And then it says, so when we said, listen, when you are walking in the revealed will of God, when you're doing what you are learning about God's revealed will, the will he's making very clear to you about how you should live, what kind of person you're supposed to become, all of that, when you walk in God's revealed will, you will always be in the center of the will of God. Got it? So you don't really need to worry. And then we said, okay, well, what about all those little decisions that I got to make about, you know, should I do this or should I do that? Or, you know, vanilla or chocolate or, you know, decaf, half-calf, half-cup, half you know, what, and what? How about all those little decisions? And we said, this is the verse that will help you put it all together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. Okay? And he will direct your paths. So... If you submit your ways to the revealed will of God, if you submit your ways to God's ways, and you say, God, I want to do things your way, show me that, then when it comes to all the other areas that you need direction in, God will direct you, and he'll make sure that you're walking the straight path. Now, watch. Some of you are going, well, what if he doesn't? What if I get it wrong? What if I make a wrong decision? You know, what if I made that decision, I thought that was the directional will of God, but it turned out maybe it's not. And now I'm suffering for it. Right? And sometimes we have these regrets, don't we? I'm looking at a room full of folks who've lived some life. And some of you could stand up here and testify, you know what, don't do it the way I did. And probably we should have a Sunday where we talk to all the young people and say, don't do that the way I did. Come on now, right, all the older folks over 50 in the room. By the way, I'm 46, I'm not there yet, so I'm almost there, almost there. I'll I'll be qualified to give that kind of wisdom in about four years. (laughs) But when, when we make God's revealed will the center, and if we make what we sometimes think are bad decisions or unwise choices when it comes to God's direction, his sovereign will redeems it. This is what Romans 8.28 means when it says, and we know that in all things, say all, God works for the good of those who love him. you got to love God, right? you got to love him, and, call- and who have been called according to his purpose. So let me illustrate this a little bit. Let me yeah, find a couple here. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. How, okay, I'm going to pick on them because they've been here and they've been gone for a while. So Dan and Martha, come on, on right here. I know, I know, I'm picking on them. This is Dan and Martha Trail. I'm going to show you what we, what we mean by this, okay? Dan, just stand right in the center here, and Martha, you're going to stand right here, okay? All right, so Dan, stand right here, and Martha, stand right here. Okay, Dan represents everything that is outside the will of God for you. Amen. Right now, now this is not a commentary on their marriage or anything like that. Okay, so don't take it that way. It's just an illustration. Dan represents everything that's outside the will of God. Martha represents everything that's inside the will of God for you. All right, okay. So let's say you're living like this and you're living outside the will of God, and then you just had a really bad, littered, just you know, um, terrible past or whatnot. And and maybe you became a Christian and you were just making a bunch of unwise decisions that you know weren't in the revealed will of God for you. But you made your mistakes and whatnot. It's outside the will of God. Okay. This verse is saying that when you truly love God, he takes everything that's was all things. All things. Everything outside the will of God. And, of course, everything inside the will of God. Hold hands. And... He will cause it to work together so that you can go ahead and move this way forward. All right, move back to your seats. Move forward together. Work it. He works it all together for his good. That's, that's the idea. Alright? Alright. So you made a bunch of mistakes. You have a bunch of regrets. It's covered by the sovereign purpose of God. When? When you love God. Now there's a a guy by the name of Augustine, who was a, a leader in the church years and years ago in the ancient world, and he said these words. This, is, this, is, this will blow your mind. He said, love God and do as you please. <laughs> love God and do as you please. Now, before you take that out of context, the last part of that sentence he says, he said... Let the root of love be within, for of this root nothing can spring but what is good. Got it? In other words, when you truly love God, you're not going to make a lifestyle out of the things that offend God. When you are truly wanting to love God. So this, so this is what I say. Jesus would say it this way. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things (laughs) will be added to you as well. So if we put the the revealed will of God at the center, he will direct you in all the specific things you're looking for direction on in life. And even if you make a mistake, you remember we talked about the GPS? God will reroute it and cause it to turn out so that you end up in the destination of his ultimate purpose for your life. But the key is centering in and targeting in on the revealed will of God. Because, listen, God's will for us is more about present initiative, your present initiative, than it is about future insight. I have two examples from the scripture on this. The first one is in um, the book of Esther. There is a queen by the name of Esther, and her story is written in the Old Testament. She was a queen that became queen in a pagan land, the land of Persia, The way she became queen was she won a beauty contest. That's basically how she got it. And yet Esther, the tension in the story is that Esther is this now, she's this queen of Persia, but she's not Persian. She's a Jew. And she keeps this identity secret because there's there's a movement within Persia to eliminate the Jews. And when Esther finds out about this, here she is enjoying her life of privilege in the palace as the queen of Persia, but then her people, the Jews, are under this growing tide of animosity that's about to become a legal like edict to eliminate and to basically commit genocide and kill off all the Jews in the land. And so there's a crisis that begins to unfold. And her uncle, who's a Jew, who taught her in God's ways, we assume, he senses the opportunity that that Esther has because of her position of power. And he says to Esther these famous words in in, uh, the book of Esther, chapter 4. He says, Esther, don't think think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. Don't think you're safe there just because you're in a position of power, Esther. Esther. He says, look, for if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And then Mordecai, her uncle, says this. He says, but who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this, Esther. And so, listen, Esther listens to these words, and she could have done nothing. She could have just said to Mordecai, you know what? I'm enjoying this life. You guys deal with it but she doesn't. Instead, she takes initiative and she says, she says to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews to be found in the city and hold a fast on my behalf and don't eat or drink for three days. Then I'm going to go, I'm going to fast with my young you know, handmaidens and stuff and my assistants. We're going to fast for three days too. And then after three days, I am going to go to the king. Now you shouldn't, now there's no... Like, that was the wrong thing to do in that. You didn't just go make an appointment with the king. She was basically saying, I'm going to risk my life to go to the king, even though it's against the law. And then look what she says. She goes, If I perish, I perish. Notice that Esther is not fasting to get God's direction on whether or not she should approach the king. She makes a choice based on what she senses and knows is the right thing to do speak up for your people and she makes this choice she has no promise from god about what god will do she's even uncertain that she's going to come out of this alive all she knows is that putting her life on the line for her people is the right thing to do and then she acted or if you will She did what was right and forged on without any special guidance from God. Interesting, huh? Often we're waiting way too long to do the right thing. And we just need, like Esther, to say, you know what? Maybe God has called me for such a time as this to be a voice. And all I need to do, do get, you know, I'm going to prepare. I'm going to do my due diligence. I'm going to fast and pray. I'm going to get myself ready. But then I'm going to take a risk. And listen, I know that she may not have felt it at the time, but Esther was right in the center of the will of God. Sometimes the will of God, you've been told that the will of God is the safest place to be. Sometimes the will of God is the most dangerous place to be. It was for Esther. She took a risk. And I want you to notice she took the initiative in spite of God's relative silence on the matter. (laughs) And the story ends with God backing Esther's decision up and bringing deliverance to his people through her actions. Her initiative was more important than her certainty about God's will for her future. Because, you see, the decisions you make right now are going to shape what your future looks like. You get it? Who cares if you know, who cares if God tells you what your future is going to look like when you're not living in his ways right now, in a way that's going to allow you to actually steward that future well, you see? Initiative when it comes to the will of God is important. Let me give you another example, the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul is on his way to Jerusalem, and it's a very dangerous thing for him to do because there are Jews, this group of Jews, that follow Paul around everywhere he goes, and they stir up trouble. They persecute him. They criticize him. They even physically try to harm Paul. And in fact, some of these Jews had committed themselves, made a vow that, you know, they're not going to eat food or drink until they kill Paul. Okay, so... He's got a price on his head, and there's this group of Jews trying to chase him down, and Jerusalem would be like the headquarters of this band of merry men, you know, of assassins that were trying to kill Paul. And Paul Paul says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, when he makes this decision, he's in the church of Ephesus, and he says, it says of him, it says, he says to the Ephesian elders, he says, now, compelled by the Spirit... I am going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. Okay, I'm compelled by the Spirit. So, okay, God. Okay, Paul. So, I'm an Ephesian elder. I'm in the congregation listening to my pastor say, I'm going to Jerusalem. Where I know you probably are going to get beat up. You're probably going to get persecuted. People don't like you there, Paul. So, I'm thinking he's compelled by the Spirit. He must have heard from God. Okay, great. But watch this. As time kind of unfolds here, it says, After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, Here, Paul, let me give you some clarification. The Holy Spirit says, In this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and hand him over to the Gentiles. And it says here, When we heard this, and of course, the gospel writer Luke is writing this this letter here, this, uh, narrative here. He says, when we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Because Paul, I know that you may have heard from the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem, but it looks like the prophet is telling us now that God is telling you through his prophet that you're going to get arrested, you're going to get imprisoned, Something bad is happen, Is going to happen to you, Paul, so we're going to reinterpret the will of God for you right now. Don't go. If I was Paul's family, I would say the same exact thing, wouldn't you? If I told you, hey, I feel compelled that God, God is calling me to go to Davao City. Forget Davao City, that's too safe. He's going to, uh, he, he's compelling me to go to Mindanao and uh, to do something. I don't even know what to do, I just know I'm going to go. And then one of you prophetic types came up to me and says, Pastor, I had a dream last night that you got captured by the Abu Sayyaf. I think the Lord is saying, don't go. What do you think I would do? I said, absolutely, I'm not going. That's that's the will of God, man, you know. (laughs) Cancel my flight. I'm not going. Forget it. You know, I thought it was safe. You know, forget it. Look what Paul says here. Okay, so what's the will of God? Go to Jerusalem, Paul, or don't go? Look what Paul says. He says, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? He's like, I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church tried to convince paul that the will of god for paul was to not go but it says when he would not be dissuaded we gave up and said what did they say the lord's will be done how how do you discern what that's all about what's more important here the future or paul's initiative you see paul knows paul knows he could have chosen either or, and God would have been pleased with him. But out of his journey with Jesus, he understands God's will isn't a tight rope, it's not a balanced beam. It's a five-lane superhighway. And Paul's deciding not to stay in the slow lane where it's safest. I'm going to go in the fast lane where I need to get moved forward in God's purpose for my life, because I'm ready to die for the gospel. You see? Why? Because Paul has lived his life in obedience to the revealed will of God. So when it comes to the direction of where he should go and what he should do in any given situation, you see, whichever one he chooses becomes the will of God for him, even if the church is trying to convince him otherwise. Does that make sense? I know it's going to get a little more confusing. In fact, let me pull out my props, because it does get confusing. Some of you might say, you know what, yeah. I get it, Pastor. This is—I kind of get it, but you know, still sometimes the will of God is confusing. And there's nothing more confusing I can think about in life when you are faced with a dilemma about what color you should paint your house. All right. Years ago, when we bought our first home, um, I remember I was working with a guy there who was living in that home, and he was renovating it from the inside and. The color that he, you know, what's the first color that comes to mind? Honestly, honestly, okay. You, those of you who watch HGTV DTV all the time, you're not allowed to answer this question. But honestly, the first color that comes to your mind when you think, what do I paint the house? Inside, okay, is what? Well, some shade of white. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Okay, so anyway. So my brother-in-law and my, my sister-in-law are, um, they're all into the design world and stuff. So I had no clue that, you know, hey, if I wanted to paint a room blue, right, I couldn't just go, I just wanted blue. Because when you get to Home Depot to pick paint to find blue, here's what you get. You get Labrador blue. You get exotic purple, which is kind of blue, maybe. You get wizard or brujo. (laughs) They got them in Spanish, too. It's awesome. You get old blue jeans. Come on, right? You got New York State of Mind. <laughs> right? oh, you got Salzburg blue. Anybody from Germany? Right? You're, there it is. You got Little Falls. All of these blue. There's probably like 50 shades of blue to choose from. I can't just say I want to paint my room blue because I'm going to go to Home Depot and they're going to say, Well, which blue do you want? And then I'm gonna to have to take home these things. And I'll be like, you know, they even have these uh, these fandexes, you know, like the big thing. And you put them on the wall, and you go, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I don't know about that blue. And then you gotta decide between shades. They said, some of you, okay, sometimes God will say to us, He'll say to us, Nanai, I want you to paint the room blue ice. And it'll be really clear and super specific. Paint it blue ice, nine. Sometimes he'll say, paint it misty blue, Linda. Yeah, misty blue. Even if you don't like it, it'll be really specific. God does that, right? Jonah, go to Nineveh. No ifs, ands, and buts about this, all right? Either by by boat or by fish, you're going to go to Nineveh. It's real specific. Sometimes God just says, I want you to paint it blue. And we go, I didn't know there were so many shades. He'll go, forgive that person. That's the revealed will of God, right? You stand praying and you remember somebody, you got something against somebody. Forgive that brother or sister in your heart before you continue praying, right? Revealed will of God. This is Jesus himself telling us this. It's clear. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about that. Forgive. But we take that and we go, oh, forgive. Okay, so should I text him? Should I email? Should I write a letter? Should I emoji? Is there a forgiveness emoji? Is there an app for forgiveness? Because I'll download it right now. Maybe I can just forgive them through the app. You see, and we go all these choices, and God is just saying, just paint it blue. Forgive. You make the choice. You go ahead. If you want to send the text, send the text you make the decision about how you're going to obey that command. I'm just telling you, do it. And that's the thing. That's the thing. We get caught up. How many of you get paralyzed by having too many choices? All you young people in the room, man, you grew up with way too many choices. You know, nowadays you go to the gas station, right? You just want to get gas. And you just want to like, I'm gonna rush, let me get gas. And then it's like. Are you a member of the rewards program? <laughs> no. Do you want a car wash? No. You know, like, what, is, what would you vote the quality of this news program playing on the screen right now? What? I just want gas. <laughs> and sometimes the options that we're given totally paralyze us from acting and doing what we know is right. So, if God says paint it blue, pick a color. Pick a shade of blue. If God says paint it blue, don't pick green. <laughs> paint it blue. Forgive, all right? Let's say blue is forgiveness. You forget. Pick a shade. Pick a way you're going to do it, all right? And then you don't, see, the value of the word of God is like a can of paint. It's found The value of this can of paint is not found in the beauty of the can. It's found in its application. You got to pick up the brush. You got to open up a can. And you got to start painting the wall. Nothing changes unless you open up a can and start painting the wall. You can, you can imagine all the beauty of that room as you've imagined it, but until you get the color on the wall and apply the paint, nothing in the room of your life changes. Until you actually get up and make the phone call and forgive that person, or send that email, or write that letter, nothing changes, you see? In you, especially, especially. What we're doing is we're just coming to church sometimes. Not, Of course, not all of you. All of you are totally applying the word of God 100% in your lives. So I know this. Um, but none, none of us do this. But most people who go to church, you know, they come to church and they, you know, there's like, get all you can. And can all you get. And stack those cans up in your closet at home. See how how many cans I got of the word of God? Look, at we got this can, we got this color, we got that color, we got got the color of life groups over here, we got the color of membership class over here, we got the color of baptism, we got the color of the teaching of the word of God. Woo! Well, the worship is awesome. Forget about the cans. You need to tell the person next to you, open up a can. Or else I'll open up a can on you. (laughs) And start painting. Your soul with obedience to the word of God. Because if you don't, why why would God trust you with specific direction for your life if you're not even obeying the direction or the revealed will he's already shown you, you see? I know there's a lot in that. But pick a command of the Lord and start with it. I'll, I'll get to that. So, actually, I'm there now. You ready? So, just, let's be clear. The center of God's will, the revealed will of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's one way Jesus says it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the revealed will of God to you. How how do I go about that? There's other things that the Bible says that actually are connected to this word, will of God. You ready? I'll just, just get three or four of them right here. Ready? In Thessalonians, it says... The will of God is that we live holy lives. Listen to this verse. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality and all forms of it, that each of you should, and he expands. What does this mean? That each of you should learn to control your body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And I watch. He makes application even further to situations in that church. He says, "And in and that is in um, sorry, and that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister." Oh, so that's how this is applied. Yeah, because you know, sexual immorality involves everything from A to Z, right, in our culture. But in, when Paul's talking about it here, he's saying some of you. You are engaging in sexual immorality in your relationships in the body of Christ. And it's not just that you're having sex with people you're not supposed to have sex with. You're wronging and you're taking advantage of brothers and sisters in the Lord. By the games that you're playing in the area of sexuality. He said, put a stop to that. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. I just gave you a passage of scripture that directly connects the will of God with how you use and handle your sexuality. It's the will of God. And, you know, I know there's a lot to talk about there. That's a whole nother series and question. Anything? Let, let's just apply it to something that, you know, in our culture that we've maybe not talked about a whole much. But, you know, when it comes to, like, the area of finding the right person and dating and trying to fish <laughs> for who that person might be. Some of you here are single. And uh, don't worry, parents, I, this is the, you know, the PG-rated version of this talk. But some of you are single in the room and you're like, yeah, who, you know, who? what do I do? Do I, you know... Christian mingle, you know, go, what church can I go to? I, I get it. I get it. It's not, it's nothing inherently wrong with all that. But listen, when you are in this arena of life, when it comes to asking the question what and who is the right person to date with a view to, to possibly choosing a life partner, maybe it's more important that you focus on, instead of God, who's the right person, maybe it's more important that you focus on God, how can I become the right person for whoever it is that you are preparing for me, you see? And by the way, there's a whole lot of choices there. Remember the last time I was with you, I told you how silly it is to be thinking there's one exact right, perfect person for me in the will of God to marry? It's really kind of silly to think that way. There's a whole lot of different options. You know, my wife, I don't think she's here today, she's... She's supporting my daughter as she beats down on some girl playing tennis right now in a tournament. But anyway, um, that's another topic. I sometimes think about this, that my wife could have married someone else. And watch, it would have been the will of God. Now, that person would not be the half as man as as I am, okay? Just want you to know. They wouldn't be half the man I, I am. And she probably would have chosen down. No, just kidding. She'd be, like, so mad right now if she was listening to this talk. Just let her know, I'm the blessed one, honey. I'm the blessed one. Point is, like, you know, there's, like, it's the five-lane superhighway, right? There's a lot of people that could fit that category of who God's, that person that would fit that category of who is right for you, really. And, And God gives us choices. But don't get hung up on that. Focus on becoming the right person. Focus on what this command really is saying. Is control your own body in that. Maybe it's more important that you learn how to control yourself in that relationship that you're currently in than, we- than finding out whether or not that person is the right person for you. You see what I'm saying? Because if you conduct yourself in a way that is holy in that relationship, then God will make it clear whether or not that person is the right person for you or not. But the minute you start crossing lines, then you start confusing things. And then God's sovereign will has to kick in and redeem it all in 15 years. You get it? All right, let me move on. Enough said about that. <laughs> all my kids have questions for me afterwards. Uh, here's another part of what God will very clear. The will of God is that, watch this 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Can it be any clearer than this, folks? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What's God's will for your life? What's God's will? That you rejoice always, that you make prayer, joy, and thanksgiving a lifestyle. That's God's will for you. You start doing that, and maybe you'll get the promotion at work. You see? You start doing that, and it changes the kind of person you become in every situation that you find yourself in. You start doing that, then go pick whatever school you want to go to. Just be that kind of person. And you'll see God work through you and do stuff through you. You see? It's the will of God, the revealed will of God. Here's another one. It's God's will that you grow in your knowledge or your experience of God himself. For this reason, we heard about you. We have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and un- understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in e- which, how many, go- all the good works. I, it, sometimes good works are just common sense to some of us, man. We don't have to think about it, ask God, is this a good work or not? No, go and do good in your world, in your school, at your, in your work, in your work. In your family, go and do good. And he says, God will fill you with the knowledge, the experience of him in those places. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. It's God's will that you grow and experience him in those very places. Or you're just committed to doing good. And here's the last one. The will of God is that we are constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. New wine, baby, new wine. I know some of you are sitting out there going, new wine. Sounds good about right now. (laughs) New wine is a metaphor for the Holy Spirit. It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Well, Paul, indulge me, Paul. Tell me, what is the Lord's will? Don't get drunk on wine. Yeah, you all thought, you know, oh, yeah, it was a, which leads to a life of debauchery. He said, instead, be being continually filled. That's what that verb shows there. Be f- constantly filled with the spirit, speaking to one another in Psalms, hymns, Spir- spirit. What we were doing just now, like 15, 25 minutes ago, did you feel it? Did you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit like new wine filling the room? Now, he's not going to force himself on you. So if you were there going, man, what time is it? I'm hungry. You know, the Holy Spirit is not going to be like, no, he's going to leave it up to you to open your heart. You've got to choose to open yourself and be filled. be this empty vessel. Fill me, Holy Spirit. And it's God's will that we constantly be asking him to fill us in those ways. Is that good or what? That's the blue paint, folks. That's the revealed. That's part of the, the revealed will of God. You put God at the center. You love him with all you are. You seek his kingdom first. You love him. You seek his holiness and wholeness, and you grow in your experience with him. And then if you're about focusing on doing that, then guess what? Go ahead. Seek God first and marry a godly person. Love him wholeheartedly and go find a better job. Cultivate a deep prayer life and start that business you've always wanted to start. Grow in your experience of God and do what's best for your family. Have more kids. Adopt. Whatever. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and pursue a career in medicine, politics, business, wherever, engineering, wherever God would send you. Whatever is your passion, you see? But get the revealed will of God right first. And at any point where God wants to give you the specifics, he will find a way to do so. You don't need to be overcome by the fear of missing out. FOMO. Uh, I experienced a, uh, I'm done. Actually, no, I'm not. <laughs> this is the last. I'll leave you with this because you know some of you need some practical handles. When it does come to discerning God's direction, here's what you want to do. Notice that the acronym here spells the word will. W I L L. You start with the Word of God. You start filling your life with the Word of God. Now, don't do this. Don't be like, okay, God, I need direction, so I'm going to open up the Bible. I'm going to throw it up in the air. And when it lands, I'm going to put my finger on a verse. And whatever that verse is, is your will. Now, don't do that. That's like, you know, spiritual r- Bible roulette or whatever, whatever they call that. That's, that's not the wise way of doing it. You want to fill your life with the Word of God. And let me, give you, let me give you a practical handle on that since we live in the 21st century. And this really cool church out in Oklahoma created a Bible app called YouVersion. And um, I've been having this amazing experience reading the scriptures with a bunch of guys on that app. And even my family, you know, we we do devotions on that app. I try to encourage my kids to do it. My wife is on it and stuff, and we're talking to each other on it, typing insights. It's getting us into the Word of God. It's helping the Word of God become culture in our family. That's what we're talking about. Make the Word of God culture in your family. Practice it on a regular basis. Read it. Get it into your life, okay? Start there. And then, notice that God also communicates his, like, directional will through the influence of other people. Go ahead. Seek wise counsel. We got a bunch of wise people in this church. Just look for all the people, like, over 65, right? (laughs) And the the ones that are great, they got a lot of wisdom to give. Some of you all who are over, like, you know, you're in retirement age, listen, don't let all the experience of your life go to waste. There's stuff you've got to give to the next generation. Let's find a way to get it out. And influence that next generation to do the will of God. Sometimes God uses the influence of others, and you got to go out and seek wise counsel. Talk to a pastor. Talk to a friend who loves Jesus. You know, talk to a life coach. You know, we got Pastor John here who does career counseling, and has done a lot of that. You know, we, all our pastors on the team are wonderful. Pastor Janet, Pastor Rome, Pastor Bing, Pastor Ray. There's there's others that will we'll be telling you about as weeks go along. And, and the things that you can access them for, okay? But wise, wise counsel. You got to go get it. Sometimes it just doesn't drop into your lap. You got to go find it. All right. The next one is God sometimes communicates his will through life circumstances. How is God working through your life situations? Especially the ones that limit you, okay? The ones that you just didn't have any control over. It's happened. And there's nothing you can do. Don't look at it as a setback. Look at it is maybe God is limiting and he's communicating something. What is God saying through this? Life circumstances. And lastly, we talked about this a little bit, feeling being filled with the Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit. It's a relationship, folks. This isn't us using God to get what we want. It's how can I get connected to God in a life-giving friendship and relationship, listening to the Holy Spirit As he illuminates the word of God to my life, as he speaks through the influence of others, as he speaks through life circumstances, how do I discern what he is telling me to do in this situation? And sometimes God will make it plainly clear. You know, sometimes he'll have people in the body of Christ give you a prophetic word and you go, whoa, I was just praying about that. Isn't that awesome how you just had a dream about that very situation? Now it's a little more clear what I'm supposed to do. Thank you, Lord. Ever had that happen to you? I think maybe I shared this with you, but this is why I'm doing my doctorate of ministry. I wasn't on this track, but somebody in the body of Christ had a dream about me. And out of left field, although God had been putting it in my heart, God knew that I would have never tried to even attempt to do my doctorate. I would never even have made the attempt if he hadn't pushed me on the ed- to the edge a little. And he did that through a pastor in our district who called me one day out of the blue. She never calls me, but she's the prophetic type. And she said, I had a dream about you, and we were in a parking lot. I was telling you in my dream. No, she said, it wasn't a dream, Pastor Ken. She goes, it was a vision. I was wide awake when I was seeing it. I was like, what is going on? At the supermarket, she stopped, parked her car, and all of a sudden, she took one step, and she saw me in this vision, like a living vision. She said, I was telling you, Ken, you need to go get your doctorate. Because God's going to use it to prepare you for what's next. And I'm going, I'm on the phone in my car going, I'm blown away. I'm like, I can't believe you're doing this, God, to me. Talk about paint, talk about paint it, don't just paint it blue. Paint it watermelon. You know, sorry, Watertown. (laughs) This isn't watermelon, that's red. (laughs) I was about to get outside the will of God right there. make it clear. God will make it clear. You just focus on doing the revealed will. Whatever it is that he's shown you to this point. And he'll speak in through these ways. You seek out these ways. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Discern your life circumstances. Seek people of influence in Christ and then cultivate a love for his word. And you'll be just fine. Tell the person next to you open up a can. Do the revealed will of God. I know there's a lot of choices. I know, right? There's a lot of choices, man, sometimes. Don't get overwhelmed by the fandex of choices, the color handbook, the guide to selecting all the different colors of the will of God. Don't worry about it. Because when it's, when it's all said and done, you just, you just open up the can that he's given you and just start painting. And when you step back, you're going to go, ooh, I think I need to paint a little bit more over here. I need to even it out over here. You'll make the adjustments you need to make You see, as you get going. Amen? Stand to your feet and let's pray. I'm going to ask the communion, uh, our deacons to come on forward and prepare to serve communion. This is Communion Sunday. We're going to celebrate at the Lord's table right now. So I love these these first Sundays of the month because, listen, man, (laughs) this is so good. One of the reasons we gather, okay? is so that we can collectively remember who we are. Because, man, the minute you step out of those doors, the whole whole world and their mother is going to try to define your life. And the whole world and their mother has a plan for your life. is going to pressure you into living out that mold. And it may not be God's will for your life. What we do here as we gather, as we celebrate at the Lord's table, as we celebrate the symbol of bread and, and cup, christ's body we remember that our identity is based on what he has done for us and because of what he's done for us we are sons and daughters of the living god that's the truest part of who we are and that's the truest part of who we are as a ooh god speaking uh, as a community of faith bring more lord <laughs> so pray with me and then i'm gonna invite you to come forward to partake of communion. Jesus, we thank you that, Lord, we thank you that your will, there is a part of your will that is kind of mysterious, but you haven't asked us to be responsible for that. You've just asked us to, re, to discover and to, re, and to do your revealed will, the, the part of your will that you've made absolutely clear. And, you know, we're, that's a journey. We're growing in it. We don't want it to overwhelm us. You don't want to overwhelm us with all these commands and demands. I believe just as a father teaches and trains his children how to live a life of obedience that you're teaching us and training us in the same way. And so take every person here where they're at in their own, whatever level of experience and spiritual growth they are, that you would make clear to them the parts of your revealed will that they need to obey like the minute they step out of this room. And may, as we celebrate at your table, partaking of bread and cup, may we make the commitment, the determination to forgive that person, to love our enemies, to seek first your kingdom, to make right or to act right in that relationship, to to, to engage your word on a regular basis to seek the wisdom we need to seek. I mean, Lord, there's so many aspects, but begin to make it clear what we need to do that we can step out and begin to do it today. And we thank you, Father. I thank you for what you're doing in this room. As we partake today, fill us with the new wine of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. The ushers are going to cue. Thank you for listening to audio from New Life Foursquare, located in Harbor City and Norwalk, California. Feel free to make copies of this audio to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or change the content in any way without permission. For more information, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org.